Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joined by my guy, Justin Michael. J. Mike, how are you doing today, brother? Doing good. It looks like it's about to start like raining and hailing. So I guess we'll see what happens with all that. I'm not a big fan of that stuff, but <laughs> good otherwise, I guess. Yeah, you've uh, you're on a wild one um, today. Love the pod from last week. Check that out. And it's been a minute since you and I had a had the time to sit down and do this just the two of us. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, I'm excited too. I think this is a fun division too, just with the AFC North and kind of how they factor into the contention race and looking at the structure of these teams and building around quarterbacks and kind of how they were able to just balance that while still trying to add some young talent. I feel like some of these teams did pretty good in the division. So I'll be uh, interested to get your opinions on all that, but yeah, I'm just excited to dive into all this and nerd out a little bit. Always a blast. Let's do it. All right, let's start. Uh, we're going to start in uh, Baltimore. We're going to go alphabetical, make it mm. nice and easy. Um, I almost said Cleveland, which would have been really funny <laughs> because that's third. That's not even second. Like, that would have been really bad. Um, but uh, Baltimore, obviously, the story of their offseason, Lamar Jackson, they get the five-year deal done. Yeah. Somehow, some way, it sure seemed like his days in Baltimore were limited with how dramatic this whole thing played out. But uh, credit to them for finding a way to get it done, finding a way to finally bring in an offensive coordinator that will open up the offense. Georgia OC Todd Munkin comes in. That might be the biggest addition of the offseason for them beyond any player that they can bring in, getting somebody in there to open up the scheme. But uh, yeah, I guess, what are your thoughts on this Ravens draft class? Uh, They get Zay Flowers. He seems like he's going to be a lot of fun. But for me, what I was thinking before we started this pod was just, thank God they got Munkin. Because Zay Flowers with Munkin, I'm very excited about. Adding Zay Flowers to the Baltimore Ravens offense we've watched the last couple of years, it just, who cares? They're not going to stretch the field. They're not going to do anything with it. Yeah, um, you know, I think this is a team we've praised a lot in the past for some great draft classes. And I think deservedly so. Last year, I thought um, some of the praise they were getting for uh, like what they they ended up with, like Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindenbaum, you know, like so everyone's losing their shit when it's like, I don't know, they took a safety and a center. Like, is that really like they won the draft? Um, And everyone was again praising them for Zay Flowers. And it was kind of like, yeah, okay, pump your brakes. I think the point on Munkin is huge. Lamar Jackson back is massive. That's the end-all be-all for this organization and how this offseason was going to be evaluated for them. A season, I think, in all, you lose Klaus Campbell, you lose a starting safety, the biggest additions, Nelson Aguilar, like nothing special there. Are they keeping up with Cincinnati? I'm not quite sure. Zay Flowers, Trent Simpson, it's not a terrible one-two punch with your only two picks in the top 100 um, to ACC performers. Um, and then, yeah, you have Kai Bukele. I like him. Andrew Voris, if not for the injuries, could have gone way higher. The guard out of USC. Uh, Kai Bukele, obviously, the corner out of Stanford. Travis Robinson, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Meh, I think it's about like what? 
a C, C plus draft, nothing crazy. Yeah, I just, I mean, I like the positional value better this time around going receiver, linebacker, edge, corner, tackle. Like they, they did a little bit better prioritizing, you know, some of the things that we talk about, but I think the main thing is you just, you needed to get a dependable receiving option for Lamar Jackson because he just, he hasn't really had it. They've tried with some guys. I know they brought in OBJ and we'll see what happens there. I mean, that's a big assumption that he's going to be the, the guy that he was of years past. I gave it just like a C, like it was fine. I think they, they met the, the baseline standard of what you should do. I wouldn't say it's a bad class. It wouldn't say it's like a thrilling class either. Right. Um, It's a good point about Lamar, you know, Part of me has been back and forth. Like I thought maybe bigger targets would be a better answer. You remember Lamar's so accurate in between the hashes. It's outside the hashes. He has some trouble. Well, that's where Zay Flowers should be operating for the most part. So that could low-key be a really nice uh, added caveat to this addition at the skill position. Yeah. Um, Who would be your Jenga piece for Baltimore going into this year? Is it Mark Andrews, who's basically been the most reliable part of that option. I mean, I think you could make an argument that they need a healthy back for once. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go Uh defensively. I think Baltimore kind of took a step back last year. You need some of these guys to step up a little bit. I don't know where, where are you at as far as Jenga piece goes? It's a great question. Yeah. Part of me does feel like it's JK Dobbins. Like how about some continuity in that backfield? Um, Part of me feels it could be like Marlon Humphrey, who's certainly kind of their defensive standout. Uh, but honestly, I think I think it is Mark Andrews. It'd be tempting to say Ronnie Stanley, but let's be honest. With Lamar, you can win with a sub-elite offensive tackle. But you need you need someone like Mark Andrews to take some attention off Lamar, take some attention off the running game, off those targets out wide, and be able to really produce, especially in the red zone for you. And you need somebody who's going to be able to produce consistently early on because it's going to take a minute for Zay Flowers to get his feet underneath him more than likely. I mean, every now and then you see the, the rare rookie that just week one comes out and bombs it, but... I mean, remember how people were talking about Jamar Chase the first couple of weeks he was out there, and then all of a sudden he's the best receiver in the NFL. It it takes a minute to adjust to the speed, to to everything. And I mean, really, you could say the same with OBJ. Like again, it's a big assumption that he's going to be able to go out there and you know play fifty plus snaps, be a really productive thousand plus yard receiver. I don't know. It's been a long time since we've seen him be that guy. Like a really long time. Um, And even to assume he's just a reliable starting wide receiver, that's, you know, you're going back a year and a half and pre some pretty serious injuries to even get to where he was with the Rams as a compliment to like Cooper Cup and the rest of that offense. And that's what I think he really is, is a nice complimentary piece at this stage of his career. You know, I just, I wonder if the expectation is that the Ravens signed OBJ of old. They got this new, you know, flashy, exciting Zay Flowers, who is an incredible receiver. I mean, if he was coming out of Florida State, the way people would be talking about him versus, you know, coming out of Boston yeah. College, it's it's night and day. But I don't know. It's just a big assumption. So I'm right there with you. I think it has to be Mark Andrews. I think it has to be just having that dependability, somebody that's used oh. to playing with Lamar and him running around back there, being able to have that feel for the middle of the field. It's such a big win for that offense, especially when you don't know, you know, what that running game is going to look like. But I mean, think of the lack of continuity this offense had between Lamar's injuries, Mark Andrews' injuries, the injuries they had in the backfield, the inconsistency at wide receiver where it was kind of a revolving door of trying to figure out who are the guys we can rely on at that position. And now you have an offensive scheme on top of all that. They need some continuity here. Um, as far as like identifying a team building philosophy, I think there are few teams that there's less of a clear cut philosophy on team building than, uh, the Ravens this off season. It was basically like, just try to add a little more talent and try to put ourselves in a position to run it back. You've several drafts. 
now you've kind of you're going through a bit of a generational change in some areas of this roster, especially defensively. And it's going to be a big prove it year for a lot of young guys on defense and stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting, man, because for so long, this Ravens team was just kind of the definition of dependable. Like they weren't necessarily going to be a Super Bowl contender, but you knew that they were going to be competitive. You knew, you know, kind of what that team was going to look like. And it's just been weird. Like, you know what they want to do. They want to be all in around Lamar Jackson, but injuries have not allowed that to be possible. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are kind of talking about Lamar like, yeah, you know, can he be that guy? You know, can he stay healthy? You know, is the offense or, you know, the the playoff criticisms, all that, is it going to translate, you know, come January? I don't know. I I just want to see him with Todd Munkin. That's all I know. Before I say anything critical of Lamar Jackson, because I think he's incredible. And I think he's been in a really bad spot for a couple of years now. And they've kind of been trying to, like, you know, shine some shit and make it gold. And it just didn't work. Right. And it's a really intriguing scheme for Munkin to coach. You know, obviously Lamar's fit is tremendously intriguing. They have, they have some real blue chippers on the offensive line, which is going to fit Munkin's style. That is really the most fascinating part of this Ravens offseason and what they can bring to the table. Go Ravens! Baltimore! <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, quick shout out for the homies at Game Time, where right now you can find all sorts of amazing last-second deals on tickets. Use that code DNVR for $20 off when you sign up. Shit, $20 off, Justin. That might mean if you go to a Rockies game, you might be able to basically get two tickets for free. Rapids game, just about the same right now. Or it might be a really valuable $20 off on what might be $650 or more for a historic Nuggets NBA Finals appearance. No matter your flavor, your sport, what you're interested in, not just sporting events, but events around town, opera, stuff like that. They've got you covered on game time where, again, when you use the code DNVR, you get $20 off when you first sign up. They're truly great. Their customer service is so um, phenomenal. And, uh, you know, they've really been a great partner to work with. So download the game time app, create an account, and use that code DMVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem 20 bucks off at D with code DNVR. Download game time today with last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Well, you know, whether you're at a Rockies game or maybe you're at a early season college football game, the Rocky Mountain Showdown coming back this year in Nebraska, obviously, those are going to be expensive tickets as well. Check that out on game time. Yeah. You're going to be wanting to make sure you've got the sun in control. You don't want the glare in your eyes. And that's where you've got to get the gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product. It's just as good as any expensive pair we've ever worn, durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. Sorry about that. But uh, if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. There's no, um, there's no doubt when you buy Shady Rays. They always have your back. They are really the best. If you want to try it on in person, you can shop the entire collection at the Park Meadows Mall. Full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. Again, and no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. The Shady Days Memorial Sale, uh, Memorial Day Sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com. Get 35% off all sunglasses. Dang. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. And remember, after that Memorial Day Sale, you can use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That deal is going to be good any day of the week. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Boom. Nicely done. Boom, indeed. Um, yeah, back to this AFC North. I think the Ravens, kind of boring, but after that, this division was a really fun one to go back and analyze. While we go alphabetically, let's go to the Queen City, Cincinnati, Ohio, 
Uh, what to say about this Bengals team? Like, are the Bengals suddenly a good drafting team? You know, the the reputation was that their owners are so cheap that the scouting staff always was like pretty heavily um, under resourced. Yeah. yeah, and that this was one of those scouting staffs that you'd hear stories of like scouts like buying the kind of draft guides you find at King Supers and like doing stuff based <laughs> off of that. Um, and I'm not sure I'm seeing like a huge philosophical change. I just think they're like, yeah, they're, they're maybe just meeting. And man would, and it's kind of working out because miles Murphy dropping a 29. Yep. Sounds good. I'll sweep him up. Uh former like superstar college player. Uh, season such a perfect system fit justin i mean it's exactly what they needed right just in terms of they needed to be able to get after the quarterback a little bit more that was really what was lacking i feel like with the Bengals late in some of those you know tough playoff losses is just and that's you know the format like if you're trying to get through mahomes we saw it it didn't really work out with Vic fangio in terms of uh, the broncos being able to score enough points to actually get over to the the top But I mean, right now the Bengals are in that, you know, like Buffalo, Kansas City conversation where it's not necessarily like, oh, we're worried about, you know, what are the Ravens doing or this doing? They're not worried about their division. They're worried about trying to get to the Super Bowl and adding somebody like Miles Murphy, a former five star, a guy who like a year and a half ago was getting projected in the top five. That's great value. 100%. And then that scheme, they just rush for, they don't want to bring a ton of extra pressure. He reminds me a lot of a profile like a Sam Hubbard who dropped all the way to the third round had an all American type career at Ohio state and has been a very good pass rusher for them. And you can never have enough pass rushers when you're that type of contender against those type of elite quarterbacks and offenses. And then DJ Turner, this is a team that, consistently with guys like Chido Awuzie uh, has gotten the best out of that safety slot nickel um, spot. And DJ Turner is one of those guys that projects best undersized. Yes. But a playmaker all over the field Four two six, plain and simple out of Michigan, man, out of Michigan, like program that this is a guy last two years when he was starting, they beat Ohio state back to back. Like this was one of the top secondaries and defenses in the country. And he was one of the best players. He flies all over the field. Like he plays a lot bigger than his size. That's what yeah, I man. say about Jack Howell all the time at CSU. He's like 5'10, 200 pounds, but you would never guess that with the way that he plays. Turner obviously has absurd speed. I like the versatility that he brings too. I think he's like a natural slot corner. Yeah. But just, but how physically is, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he like kind of pushed for maybe even a safety type role if he gained a little bit of weight. I just like the way that he kind of flies back there in pass coverage. Dude, 100%. And I mean, where you're lacking in size at the safety position, you're making up for with the pick of Jordan Battle and Alabama safety, who I know in that safety preview episode you guys touched on. So, like, these aren't unknown gems. This isn't like uh, some Pete Carroll, John Schneider draft of the uh, 2010s. Marte Mapu coming out of Sac State, my guy. Right. Um, But, yeah, like, Let's just draft guys out of Clemson, Michigan, and Alabama. That sounds like a good idea. Sometimes I think that teams overthink this, and I get that it is easy to just chase the the brand names and all that, and there are certainly plenty of examples of guys that come out of these premier programs that don't translate at the NFL. But also, there's probably a lot more of them that do, and if you're just trying to add good players like, and it's not like you're trying to take a gamble. You know, you don't have an early pick. You're late in the first round. Go with the guys that have the pedigree. They have the plus traits. They played under great coaches. You know, you know, they have the experience. They've been in big time games. Like, I don't know. I just, I really like what Cincinnati did with this class kind of going chalky. And honestly, my favorite pick of theirs might be Chase Brown in the fifth round. Mm. I love him. Illinois running back. I think he'd be a perfect change of pace for Mixon come in maybe some red zone type situations he's kind of a beefy guy hard to bring down trust him in pass pro like they just took good football players i don't know if they necessarily took like elite players like with the you know insane ceilings and all that but 
the, this is a better team because of the players that they added. And I think they're going to be able to contribute fairly early. I think it's a great point, man. Chase Brown, that was probably their biggest need after they signed Orlando Brown and kind of took care of the offensive line. With Samaj P. Ryan leaving, you did wonder what are they going to do at running back, that backup running back. Chase Brown, amazing season at Illinois. Him and his brother who played safety, ultra competitive, like ballers. And then those two wide receivers. Really nice little slot guy in Charlie Jones out of Purdue. Andre Iso. Iosovis, yeah, out of Princeton, really stood out um, at the Senior Bowl. Tested well, big target outside. And if you're going to, I was going to say he was way bigger than I realized when I was watching some of that Senior Bowl stuff. And maybe that was me being having a preconceived notion about an Ivy League player. But I was like, damn. No, he's big, six three, two hundred five. And you almost wonder with how stacked they are at wide receiver, and you lost Hayden Hurst. Could he play some big slot as that tight end, receiving tight end for you? Very intriguing um, team building philosophy this offseason, just to add more weapons, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's protect Joe and give him more weapons and then add to the secondary. I think executed pretty nicely. I think you got to be really stoked if you're a Bengals fan. I mean, yeah. the big thing was you needed to protect Joe, as you mentioned. You've got all the skill, you've got one of the best receiving cores, you've got a talented running back. You needed to add some depth in that backfield. You needed to get better or deeper, I should say, defensively. And you need to get offensive tackle, and you went out and you got one of the best in the game in Orlando Brown. So, I mean, this Bengals team, they're they're in a window where it, it feels oh. like for the next three, four years, they should be, you know, right there in the, the mix competing for Super Bowls. Absolutely. I think it's hard to argue that they didn't, that they got better um, the, against them getting better this offseason. I'd say they answered their most glaring issue. You just talked about it with Orlando Brown. Um, I think there is a clear cut long-term plan, right? Like we're getting scheme fits. We're emphasizing the nickel corner because that's a key position for us because we're nursing leads 10 games a year. So we need to play with five DBs. We're adding that depth because we rush with four and we need fresh guys. And then we're adding, uh, yeah, more playmakers, uh, in general. Who's your Jenga piece for this Bengals team? Jenga piece is always an interesting one to do. Man, I think it's Jamar Chase. I think it is too, just because I think him and Justin Jefferson are, and Cooper Cup, I guess, like those three are just on another level right huh. now. Yes. And he's just one of those guys where it's kind of like prime Randy Moss. Like you can throw the ball up and he's just going to get it. It's not a 50 50 ball, it's a 75 25 ball. 100% man and just like the pressure he puts on your defense before you've even gotten off the bus is just huge you know they are very very close to impossible to match up when Jamar Chase is on the field when he's not on the field okay all of a sudden maybe we do have the numbers to contain Higgins and Boyd when Chase is part of that equation forget it now this team is good enough where I think it's fair to say they can overcome anyone being out for three weeks, a month, something like that. That's not named Joe Burrow. Um, Maybe Orlando Brown, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, they yeah. haven't had him the last couple of years, so it's hard to argue. Like, they've been just as fine. But Exactly. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, maybe on defense. Like, he, he's such a tone setter, you know. So maybe that's a, a name worth mentioning. But yeah, I think Jamar Chase kind of stands out above the rest. Before we move on to Cleveland, I would give this Bengals offseason an A. Mm. I would give the draft like a B, B plus. I think we agree completely on that. Yep. I think that's a good like breakdown and separator right there. I think that really fits for sure, man. Yeah, I just I, I like what they did. But as we said, you know, maybe not the highest ceiling prospects. Like, I don't think any of these guys are going to be all pros or anything like that. That said, you didn't really need it. You know, it's, it's, right. it's just depth. Like you're just trying to be more consistent and keep yourself in the conversation come December. I really like what the Bengals are doing. Can well, no longer make those jokes. It, absolutely. And they address key positions, man. I mean, look at that edge corner wide receiver gets addressed twice corner again, to end the round. Not, well, and what's huge about getting Brown is not only do you have him now to protect Joe, something that's been an issue for you, <laughs> But Kansas City no longer has him. 
and neither does Baltimore. I mean, that's two of your biggest rivals that this one offensive tackle played for. And just having him on your side of the field now, that's huge. Great point. Great, super underrated point. Absolutely. All right, let's go on to Cleveland, who did not have a first or second round pick. Um, so not probably getting talked about a ton on the post-draft uh, wrap-up content segments. Um, I, I do like Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman, who they got at 74. He was a guy who played really well in 2021, probably goes earlier if he doesn't get hurt this year. Um, I, I like mean, the Baylor defensive tackle they got. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Ika. Uh, yeah, big Siaki. He's a yeah, um, yeah, dude. I mean Tillman. Like after Quentin Johnston, I'm not sure there were many other guys in my rankings who were like true outside number one wide receivers until you got to Tillman. Shit, I thought early third that was tremendous value. I think this was kind of the year where like the nose tackles made the made a comeback. Where it's like, oh yeah, nose tackle doesn't give you third round value, but he actually frees up two blockers for the rest of your like three techs and your stud edges. So now we're valuing nose tackles more and Siaki Ika's great value. Oh my God. The value of Dewa Jones in the early fourth at one eleven, I was shocked. He didn't go in the top 90. After the senior bowl, we thought he was going late first, man. Um, we thought yeah, like, I was going to say top 75 and even, uh, yeah, you could say like top 60, even like he, he's 100%. got the frame. He's got the experience. It's weird. I don't, I don't know what I'm missing. A hundred percent. I mean, I think the size scares people off and it's really interesting in a Stefanski offense. Uh, you know, like, dude, how many of these zone blocking guys are just like, fuck it. I just want a big mauler. Like <laughs> Tom Dalen ain't walking through that. I mean, door. you got just... Nick Chubb in the backfield, like the concept of like, we're just going zone read here. Good luck. Right. right. Absolutely. And then, I mean, Isaiah McGuire out of Mizzou, one of the more beloved edge rushers, maybe not elite tools, but like a really, really good pass rusher at the SEC level. Motor, leverage, moves, production. He's got he it stood all. stood out against big teams, too. Like, he was a guy that when you watched him against good offensive lines, you saw him making plays despite, you know, not having, you know, the elite traits of some of these other guys. He just feels like a gamer, which is kind of a lazy analysis, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this and that, but you know, when the lights are on, this guy pops, but he does. Totally, man. And, I mean, the one trait that did stand out is, like, his three cone was, like, super. Um, And as we know, like, that bend in edge rushers is cute. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson in the fifth? Oh, my God. Like, so I had DTR with the top 100 grade. I had... Dewad Jones with a top 100 grade. Ika was on the border and Tillman had. So that to me is three future starters at premium positions like offensive tackle, wide receiver. Um, and then an edge who was on the borderline of the top 100. And a nose tackle is going to be. I mean, as far as teams go with no. Knocked it out of the park on a like. To me, this is an A plus. Yeah, I think the important distinction is just not having, you know, a top 50 pick and being sure. able to come away with this many top 100 guys on your board. Yeah, I, I thought this was the best class in the division, all context considered, just because mm. they didn't have a first or second round pick. I thought they did a good job of really, you know, letting letting it play out. They They didn't get crazy and, you know, trade back up to make a move. They just let it play out. Tillman falls to him and Ika falls to him. Dewan Jones falls to him. It was just right. kind of a, per- it doesn't always work out that way for you. And it could have been very easily like all these guys get picked one or two picks ahead of you. And what would have been a great draft turns into a tragic draft. Like how often does that happen for GMs? And then they sit there like, we were so close. We were so close, but it, it worked out for Cleveland. and. Yeah, they, they got lucky. I don't know if I'm rooting for it. I don't know if that's a franchise that deserves <laughs> the good karma right now. I know. But it is a team, fan base-wise, that I would like to see succeed. Like, I'm not going to get into all that stuff with Deshaun. Like, we all know yeah. he's dork. Yeah. They shouldn't have given him the money. But that's a great football town. That's a fan base that just loves them. It would be fun to see Cleveland, like, have a run. 
You're here, man. Absolutely. On that um, side of things, I, I just don't think there's any debate. Um, and Luke Whipplier, the center out of Ohio State, I thought he was a little overrated coming into the process, but I still thought 90. Right. I still thought he projects as like a future starter at the position, even if maybe not a high end starter. So to get him too, like, wow. Um, this is a team that was able to retain a lot of its free agents, Anthony Walker Jr., um, center Ethan Pochich. They added Elijah Moore in a trade to the Jets. I forgot um, about that. They did not sign Kareem Hunt, and they lost Dearness Johnson, who's now in Jacksonville. So they're kind of all in on Nick Chubb, uh, which in some ways he's demonstrated in his recent NFL career to have that kind of continuity. So man, like nice little quiet off season. Um, Would Chubb be your Jenga piece, given that they don't have, you know, you, you don't have hunt anymore. Deshaun hasn't exactly lit it up in what we have seen from him. I know that's a weird spot going in mid season after missing what, like 12 games or whatever it was, Yeah, but he didn't look good. He looked terrible, and you wonder how much of a scheme fit he really is with Stefanski, honestly. Well, and that's, that's the thing for me. This is night and day from what he did at Clemson or Houston and what he was successful with. I just, I, I don't know how you give a quarterback that much money and then still try and go the old school, like, we're going to shoehorn him into this. Like, I get you have the line for it. I get you have the running back to do this. But is it actually going to get you over the top? I don't know. Are you worried that's what's happening with Sean Payton and Russ and Denver? Yeah. I definitely am. Um, I, I think it's a super fair point, man. It's a super fair point. In those relationships, one of the two parties has to adjust, and it's more fair for the coach to adjust. If you want to win, I think that's the option that we have seen more times than not. Like Andy Reid adjusted to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes did not have to adjust to Andy Reid. And I think huh. Andy Reid understands the point of that. And I mean, just just think of how accomplished of a play caller Andy Reid is. Right? Arguably like, one of the greatest of all time. Absolutely. So it's, and I have nothing but respect for Peyton. I, I think they needed a coach that has his confidence, has his presence. Um, I don't know, though. I, I guess... From the outside looking in, just not being on the Broncos beat full-time or anything, to me, it seems like Sean is pretty convinced that Russell Wilson is who he is and that he'll elevate him slightly, but at the end of the day, that is not the quarterback he wants and that they're just going to kind of play out this year and see what happens, and then, you know, year two, it'll be somebody else. So I... Right. Maybe long-term it all works out, but it, it feels like we're putting a lot of eggs in one basket. For sure. Um, and at least it feels like all those eggs in one basket aren't as all in as this Cleveland situation where it's really like, holy sh- if, if Deshaun is just the dude we saw last year, they are in big trouble. Well, and it's not just the, it's not just the money. It's the compensation they gave up to get him. It's those two things combined put you in such a deep, dark hole and behind the eight ball. Look, I think you can make a really compelling argument for Nick Chubb as their Jenga piece. I kind of think it's Miles Garrett. Like I'm going to go Chubb only because of the question mark with what is Deshaun right now and you no longer have the two-back system to lean on. But... Yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett at his peak can be one of the top two or three edge guys in, in all of football. And I know he's had some injuries and, and stuff like that, but I think if Cleveland is going to make some noise, if they're going to be a factor in this division with two really good teams in Baltimore and Cincinnati and a Pittsburgh team that was like quietly just always competitive because yeah. they have one of the best coaches, yeah, they're going to need a lot more out of Miles. So I, I think that's a fair argument. I just think, like, in, in some ways, you know, the Jenga piece premise is not the quarterback, aside from the quarterback. Miles kind of feels like the franchise player in Cleveland, more so than the Sean Watson at this point. 
So yeah, in some ways, I, I almost feel that. like I I'm think cheating. That's the big difference with Cleveland and Pittsburgh versus Baltimore and since Baltimore and Cincinnati, you got the QBs. Pittsburgh, you hope you've got the QB and Kenny Pickett. I don't think you can really know at this point, but it's all about TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. A great point. It's a great point. And that's where Baltimore needs to kind of refigure out that defensive identity where those other teams, those other division rivals has very clear cut leaders in the, everyone feels like the Ravens in that division, except for the Ravens defensively. It's really weird. How the mighty have fallen. Um, Shout out to our, Boy, uh, this this rain really makes me feel like a brick brew right now. I may have to text someone to try and bring me one into my office while we're podcasting. Check out the old Breck Brewery Avalanche Amber Ale. It's a classic American amber blend. You may taste some chocolate, some caramel malt. It's just a well-rounded, flavorful beer, kind of versatile and satisfying any time. And of course, never, never a bad time to go have a strawberry sky. I'm a lager guy myself. Uh, you know, Breckenridge Brewery, they have been with us for years now, always supporting us. Got a concert coming up next week at the old farmhouse. I mean, it's it's the summer, so the Breck Farmhouse is a great place to hang out for all that kind of info or to simply find the nearest Breck Brew to you. Go to breckbrew.com and check out the old beer locator. And yeah, happy Breck drinking to all of you this summer. Dre said it best, nothing better than a little Breck farmhouse in the summer. Saw Ripe there last year. It was an awesome show. I think it's the mm. Revivalists coming up. Uh, yes. Wish I knew you when I was young. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a blast. Um, but what's also going to be a blast in the Mile High City, obviously, NBA Finals, and there's no better way to watch the NBA Finals than with Fubo TV. They've got 140 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device. It's the easiest way to watch the most sports at the lowest price. And what's great about it is no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. It really is as easy as that. You're going to get a thousand hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. Talk about a hookup. Watch the Nuggets finals run. I almost said playoffs. Finals run, baby. On oh. ABC with Fubo TV. Go to FuboTV.com slash DNVR. Get 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. Dude, we got to talk Nuggets off air. I've actually got some stuff I want to talk about. Um, I'm always down to talk Nuggets, a, especially right now. What a run, baby. What a run. Just a fever dream right now. Can't get much better. I wonder if that's how Steelers fans were feeling after that draft. Because, hey, not not quite your first ever trip to the NBA Finals, but my God, getting Broderick Jones in a really good trade up to 14, sniping the Jets to steal the last of the big three offensive tackles. Which, by the way, Peter King's article is talking about the Raiders being fairly content with trading down um, to like the mid teens and taking Anton Harrison. It's interesting that some teams like the Raiders, there was definitely some buzz that like Anton Harrison was a top 20 guy, but then he dropped all the way to like past pick 25 and was a great value pick for Jacksonville. Anyways, they trade up for Broderick Jones, uh, Joey Porter Jr., the guy we all thought they were going to draft in round one, goes to them with the first pick of round two, pick 32. So tech- you call yourself a first round pick if you're Joey Porter Jr., even though it is the second round? Like, I was the 32nd pick. In a sense, you can claim both. Con- contractually speaking, though, he is a second rounder. Yeah, his agent's going to be like, I wish, but he yeah, wish. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll feel the difference in year five because we're definitely a second rounder once that year, fifth year comes around. Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, in the mid second, and then Darnell Washington in the third. Just those four picks are absolute home runs, knocked out of the park. 
Washington would compliment uh, Pat Fryermuth so nicely. And then Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin, a guy I love. I mean, really good value too. Insane value. So you you just have a, a spectacular draft class right there. Corey Trice, a Purdue corner who was getting a ton of love. I think Brett Coleman had him ranked as like his top corner, or one of the top two or three. It sounds like injuries led to the drop, but very toolsy, very productive career for a 6'3", 206-pound cornerback across the board. Slam dunk after slam dunk after slam dunk pick. Great job by the Steelers. They're doing a good job of building around Pickett. I mean, yeah. they're giving him an opportunity to succeed. I still think he needs a few more options out wide. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the Steelers uh, team or draft class end up with a receiver. I know they got Pickens last year, and he's a guy that I, I do think is going to pop eventually. Yeah. But this is just a classic, like, well-run franchise. We're going to get one of the top offensive tackles. We'll make a move for him, still end up with a one of the top one or two corners, depending on how you looked at him. You end up with Darno Washington in the third, a guy who, I mean, you and I love, like we would have been okay with somebody taking Darnell Washington at 35, let alone getting him at 93. Yep. Herbig, you get a couple of Wisconsin defensive linemen, a Purdue corner that's, you know, a little bit under the radar, just like classic Steelers. They're, all these picks are going to hit in four years from now. When Tomlin is, you know, still rolling, we're just going to sit here and be like, how, how does he continue to do this? I mean, it's so true, man. And this is in an off season where they added Isaac Seumalu, taking him from the Eagles. Um, it's just like things are looking good. And if Bud Dupree, um, you know, we're healthy or signed back. That'd be huge for them. Yeah. So it seems like, I mean, you described it right there. Very clear cut, long-term planning and identity here, build around Kenny Pickett, but still address the defense with those two Wisconsin front seven guys. Um, and it's just really physical corners, like a good job of getting positions of need positions of value, but also guys that feel like they're going to fit in that division. I don't know that, the AFC North has always just kind of been like a rough and tough division to me. And I, having Damn corners straight. like Joey Porter Jr. just feels on point. Under- and yeah, you would have liked another wide receiver, but they do still have Deontay Johnson, Miles Boykin, and George Pickens. That's on top of Allen Robinson, who they added. And they've got some little... They Robinson. That's a good point. They've got both the Memphis little speedsters, Calvin Austin the third and Ant Miller. Um, so, you know, those guys haven't worked out other places, but they've at least got that as an alternative. You got to love that depth at tight end now. And you still have Nashi in the backfield. Um, What he brings as a receiver is kind of like the great equalizer because you're going to get 75 catches out of him too. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, now that front three on defense has Ogunjobi, Cam Hayward and Keanu Benton. And the secondary has got some dudes too, you know, with Minka and Levi Wallace. They added Patrick Peterson, um, you know, Keanu Neal's over there, and now Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice. Interesting team, man. Interesting offseason. I think the the draft is an A plus. The offseason itself is like a B plus, A minus. Like nothing crazy, crazy, but. They took care of business. They're in a good spot. This this North is going to be really interesting to watch. You know, obviously the Bengals should be big favorites, but it's far from a given. It feels like the division where whoever you're getting plus money on might be worth taking a flyer on because I think everybody's going to be competitive. Everybody's going to beat up on each other. It's just going to be kind of a battle of attrition and who can kind of survive when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think you're right. And then, I mean, you know, can Lamar stay healthy? What's Deshaun looking like? Will Burrow keep having some sustained help? And what's Kenny Pickett's jump? Really? If I had to go, you know, knife to your back right now, Cincinnati's your preseason favorite, yes? Yeah. Yeah. And then Baltimore? Yeah. I'm tempted to take Pittsburgh. (laughs) Pittsburgh's tempting, man. Pittsburgh's really tempting. To some extent, Cleveland's a little tempting. Pittsburgh's really tempting. Never doubt Tomlin. 
And I mean, with a healthy TJ Watt and actually playing picket all season last year, like that alone might add two wins to there, you know? They're just one of those teams that they, they were hard to get a read on last year. I just knew I didn't want to be betting against them and have serious money on it right. because they, they were going to be a pain in my ass. It's a great point. Yeah, I'd still take the Ravens because I think, I think, you know, that wasn't just a tough situation last offseason. That was a tough situation that kind of hung over that team's head for the second half of last season. And on top, a much deeper, healthier stable of uh, skill position players on offense. And I mean, they've always got really nice depth and talent on defense. So I will stay with the uh, with the Ravens. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of separation with the Steelers. Not a ton. Who's your Jenga piece? Is it TJ Watt? And it has to be, right? I, I mean, his ceiling is like the best defensive player in the NFL. And he's just so impactful, play in, play out. Like, it doesn't matter that it's second and one or third and 15. Like, he's the guy you got to identify and watch out for every single time you line up against the Steelers' defense. The only other person I think you can make an argument for is maybe Najee Harris, just second-year mm. quarterback, having that option to check it down to, having somebody third and short to move the sticks. I think losing him would be you know, really detrimental to that offense. But I still think it has to be Watt because much like Miles Garrett, I think if Pittsburgh is going to play to their full potential, that would be because Watt is just a, a game breaker, you know, 15 plus sack type season. It's a great point. I mean, I would have considered Minka Fitzpatrick. I think Cam Hayward's such a leader on that defensive front. But like, what are we talking about? It's TJ and everyone else on this. Well, team. Minka's a stud. Like I, I loved Minka so much coming out of Alabama. I went on the radio and said Denver should take him over Bradley Chubb if it were those two. Well, I don't you. know if that was the right call. I think I could justify eh, it. No, I, I think, think in I retrospect you're right. Yeah, but um, good call. His impact is also somewhat predicated on the success of those guys up front. Is the thing. So it's yes, he is a stud, but me. Inca is also somewhat of a byproduct of having just an elite quarterback killer. That's an elite take, Minko over Bradley Chubb, dude. I they I got a lot of heat for it. Uh, love him, my guy Ryan Edwards. And that was back when he was with uh with Danny. He uh they both they didn't laugh at me, but they were both kind of just like, all right, Bama guy. And I was like, you'll see, he's the most versatile defensive back coming out, but. 100%. That was a weird draft with Roquan and McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson and uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were the big albatrosses there. Um, yeah, I think it seems like everyone's had some building, like everyone's got their quarterback in place and they're just kind of trying to build around that. Um, and like trying to build within the competitive windows that each one of these teams kind of has, you know, like there's a smidge more urgency with Cincy. There's a smidge more like casting a wider net and building more long-term from the ground up in Cleveland. Um, there's more like trying to address the O-line in Pittsburgh to really help pick it. And more trying to add weapons for Munkin in Lamar in Baltimore. So, Everyone's got their own flavor. Everyone's got their own focus. But the general theme, the general overarching kind of goal is very similar from one team to the rest in the North. I'd agree. Here's one for you. Top to bottom, deeper division, AFC West or AFC North? Because I would say the top of the AFC West wins, but the bottom of the North might win? Bottom of the North definitely wins. Um, honestly, it might come down to what does Denver do? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, they're very, very similar across the board. Like the Ravens are the Chargers, the Bengals yeah. are the Chiefs, the Browns are the Broncos, and the Steelers are the Raiders. 
Um, I like the Steelers way more than the Raiders. I like the Broncos slightly better than the Browns. So I guess the bottom kind of ties. Um, I like the Chiefs just slightly better than the Bengals. And I think I like the Ravens just slightly better than the Chargers. So it's, I mean, it's neck and neck. I think I give the North the slight edge just because I think the biggest gap between those head-to-heads is Steelers over the Raiders. I'd agree, yeah. The Raiders have taken enough steps back to where this isn't this isn't a four team deep division anymore. It's like, yeah, there are three well, teams. It really wasn't went, last year either. We right, just everyone right. got caught up in the excitement of Devontae Adams going there and Devontae Adams. I mean, it's a big deal. He's done. He's yeah. Yes, I yeah. get it. I just we very quickly realized, well, maybe not exactly a yeah. four team race. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a two team race. Turns out, yeah. No, for sure. Um yeah, I think I give the North just a slight of edge there. It's going to be interesting. I'm very curious to see who ends up with more wild card spots when it's all said and done. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to like in division play and you know how how cannibalistic is it? Is it one team that's just running yeah. through everybody? If that's the case, you almost have a better opportunity, I think, of getting three teams in. But if it's just like chaos, everybody splits everything, you, you probably only get like one or two in. Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think both in the running to be deepest division in the NFL, and then it's like the NFC East. Yep. I think the difference with the North and and the West over the NFC East right now is I like the coaches, the pedigree of the coaches in the AFC North and AFC West slightly mm. more than the NFC East. Um, but that's also because I'm just not a Mike McCarthy guy. So, Right. Well, it's a good point. I mean, the the Eagles who have a very had a very strong staff just got poached left and right with their top coordinators both gone. So I think that's a solid point. Um, Justin, always a blast doing these, man. Oh, this was great. Always fun to nerd out. It's I like how we did it this year, breaking it into division and not trying to do like two, two hour podcasts where we go over all of AFC and then all over the NFC. Cause it just, it becomes too much. It's too much to talk about. So I'm sure yeah. it's too much to listen to. No doubt. We will be back as always next week. Check out J Mike's stuff at DMVR Rams, Jake's stuff, DMVR Buffs. Um, and yeah, I'm all over the network doing stuff Buffs, Rams, Broncos. Fine, Dre, everywhere sports are happening. That's right. Um, we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Later. <laughs>